Hi, I'm Josephine Hughes. I'm the mother of two transgender daughters who came out in their teens and early 20s. I told my own stories in series one of Gloriously Unready. And in season two, I'm finding out more about transgender people's experiences. Because as I adapted to having transgender daughters, it helped me a lot to get to know transgender people. In this series, I ask, what's it like to come out as transgender to a world that is not always ready for you? And how can you ever be ready to tell the people that you love that you're not the person they think you are? Today's guest is Tommy Powell. Tommy Powell is a young transgender man in his 20s. He began taking testosterone in June 2020 and has documented his transition on his Instagram, including his top surgery in Turkey in August 2020. Tommy, I'm really excited about speaking with you and I'm sure that what you're going to tell us will help loads of us parents out there who really need to know more about what it's like to be transgender and in particularly sort of what it's like to be a transgender man because often, you know, it seems that transgender men get forgotten about in all the sort of stuff that's talked about with regard to um, transgender issues. So do you feel like that? Do you feel that sort of transgender men aren't really acknowledged um, or talked about at all? Yes, I do, because I think people, a society appear to accept, accept trans guys more than trans women, and they don't seem to think of us as a threat, whereas with trans women they generally do um so we're kind of then forgotten about even when going to the gps if you're down as a male you don't get told that you need to have a smear test done or anything related with that because Mm -hmm. on their record you're male which i totally totally accept yeah but it does leave it a little bit awkward when you phone up (laughs) and say can i have a smear test please (laughs) That is just such a really interesting um, perspective, I think, because we get a lot of people getting very cross about mm-hmm. things like, you know, you can't use the expression breastfeeding or, you know, that, you know, it's a big hoo-ha um, about asking males whether they might be pregnant. Mm. But that's part of what you're talking about, isn't it? It's, it's to be more inclusive towards trans yeah. men. If you're a biological woman and you've had a child and you want to call it breastfeeding, mm-hmm. absolutely call it you know, whatever you want. If someone who isn't biologically male doesn't want to call it breastfeeding, that's also okay. It's up, it's up to the person. I'm sure lots of people have lots of different views on it. Mm-hmm. There's like almost like a lot of hot air in a sense, a lot of heat. And actually perhaps it could just be resolved by saying, say what's comfortable for you. I, I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think... This might sound really awful, but a lot of people feel that they maybe need to go a little bit too far and every single thing needs to change, but it doesn't. We, as trans people, kind of just need to relax a little bit with it. You know, I understand why people get quite um, upset and annoyed and angry with things, but I know that we're in, like, 2023 now, but it's not as if we can change everything 
overnight because mm-hmm. life doesn't work like that. What, what I'm sort of curious about is do you think that that sense of take it slowly, you know, almost in a sense don't confront everybody with this needs to change now. Do you think that sort of viewpoint has been born from your own experience of, of coming out? Yeah, because I didn't go 100 miles an hour. I took a long time to tell anybody. I think because I didn't really know how to. I do everything quite slowly, <laughs> really. <laughs> Again, it could just be myself. I didn't want people to be like, oh my gosh, we need to... We need to do this, we need to do that, we, we can't get it wrong, we need to get it right all the time. I knew deep down that people wouldn't get it right all the time. Yeah. Even more so if I pushed it. It's a bit like children. You tell a child not to do something and they're going to do it. <laughs> you know, you tell people that you really must do this and you and you cannot do this and they're going to do what you don't want them to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just because we're taller children, we're, we're still... <laughs> We're still a little bit like children. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a bit more, because I'm, I'm sort of curious when you said um, it took you a long time to tell anybody. So did you sort of like, did you know for a long time? Did, was it something that you knew from a very young age or was it more something that you knew as a teenager? So growing up, I was a happy little girl and I'll never, I'll never ever deny that because I was I was a bit of a tomboy. I liked to do everything with my dad and my sister generally did most things with my mum, but I still didn't see myself as a little boy. I I knew I was a little girl. It was as I got older, I thought something wasn't quite right within myself. Um, And I thought that maybe I liked girls. (laughs) So when I was 17 or 18, I had my first girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was great. And I still didn't feel quite right it wasn't that I was with a girl that was wrong because that then felt right Mm -hmm. but I felt like something wasn't right within me anyway I just kind of ignored the feeling because I didn't know what the feeling was I just knew it wasn't right Mm -hmm. um and I didn't want to try and research it because google will tell you anything um go down that rabbit hole (laughs) yeah yeah um i'd have been growing 10 arms and and everything if i'd have asked um so i left it and left it and then i was watching a youtube video it was ftm transgender man or boy or guy male and i realized actually i wasn't a girl Mm -hmm. i was a guy that's a fairly big thing to acknowledge yeah. to yourself, isn't it? Really, really big thing to acknowledge to yourself. Yeah. It was probably about a year after I told my parents that I was then a lesbian. And they were absolutely fine with that, you know. Yeah. But I couldn't then go and tell them this other, what I thought was big news. Yeah. Um, so I didn't say anything until about three or four years later right it was quite a long time then wasn't it even when I think back now I wasn't ready to be Tommy then Mm -hmm. what was the tipping point for you what 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 actually enabled you ultimately to say yeah I am a man and this is I'm going to tell everybody um I don't really know Mm. I think it was that I I told a few of my friends and then that same day I knew that I needed to 
tell my parents because I didn't want them to hear it from someone else. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was very scary. <laughs> you know, I was absolutely petrified because I'd seen all these videos about parents who would disown their children or, mm -hmm. you know, trans people whose families don't want anything to do with them. Mm -hmm. um, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, that might be me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the complete opposite, but it was still a a massive, massive fear that I had. So I I was went home because um, I was living there at that point, and I went and lay on the sofa, and my mum said, "Oh, what's wrong, darling?" <laughs> she picked up on it straight away. <laughs> yeah, true mum style. I said, "Oh, nothing, nothing." She said, oh, are you sure? <laughs> And I was waiting for my dad to go to bed at 10 o'clock, which right. he does religiously, even to this day, every night. Yeah. And I still just lay on the sofa watching the telly. <laughs> and mum said, are you sure you're all right? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. She said, come over here and tell me what's wrong. I No, I, just, I think I started to cry. And I told her that I wanted her to still love me. Yeah. To which then she's... woman cried. must have been like... <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is this child going to tell me? <laughs> And then I just said, Mum, I'm something along the lines of, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy. And she went, oh, all right. Have you told your dad? <laughs> no. So then she went and got my dad and he came down with his hands on his hips and went, yeah, what's wrong? <laughs> so I said it again. Yeah. He went, all right. Okay. Good night. <laughs> And that was it. Yeah, I've never known him to come downstairs after being woken up. I can't really remember what conversations we'd had, um, but I'd already done my research with how I wanted to access hormones. Um, I'd already booked an appointment with my GP. Mm -hmm. So just explained it to mum. And, you know, she wanted to come with me to my first appointment. And How long did you have to wait to get an appointment? I was referred, oh wait, it's somewhere between 2018 and... So, so long, you can't exactly remember when it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I haven't been seen with them. I chose to go privately for both hormones and surgery. With hormones, I emailed in the October um, and I had an appointment for the August and then in the January there was a cancellation for the next mm -hmm. day. Um, yeah. And you still have to be seen by a psychiatrist and, you know, they have to check that everything's okay. Um, mm -hmm. In the appointment, they ask quite a lot of questions um, and it's more based around everything but being trans. I was going to say, I saw my daughter's assessment for um, yeah. at the gender identity clinic and it was asking her so many really intrusive questions. Yeah. About yeah. sexuality and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how my upbringing was. Um, have my parents ever suffered any mental health problems? Mm -hmm. um, it was a lot. And if I'm honest, I don't really have anything to tell them. You know, I, I was very honest and said, you know, I haven't been living as Tommy for overly long. I know that, that this is right. Mm -hmm. That was the January and then my prescription came in the June. So were you nervous before taking it or? I was excited. Yeah. I didn't want to go bold, which is now happening. <laughs> you know, there's lots of different changes that happen. Um, 
And the the main problem I didn't want was to go bald. I didn't care about anything else. I just didn't want to lose my hair, even though yeah. my dad was bald at like twenty three. I've got four years on him now, and I'm, I'm <laughs> I've got more hair. Because <laughs> um, that that must be sort of like yeah, that must be quite a change. My mum's dad, he till the day he died, he had a brilliant head of hair. He had you know, <laughs> some grey around the ears. And it was all brown. Uh, so you're going to try to go after the maternal line. <laughs> yeah. But you began to take after your dad's line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, go on. How, how has that felt to start going bald? Um, awful. Really? I must have looked at 20 million different places to have a hair transplant. Wow. Or a hair system. I've tried taking different medications to try and keep it, but it just isn't doing it yeah no, I don't think it'll be long until I just get rid Damn. of it myself yeah <laughs> yeah it's, 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 it's really interesting isn't it because this whole stuff about gender when you're transgender you you come across a whole lot of other things don't you mm-hmm. and with the experiencing what men experience is that you're expected to act a certain way mm-hmm. and you're expected to be really masculine I'm the complete opposite I am not masculine at all I am the gayest straight guy I know um I'm not really masculine at all um I I still even now get all of my trousers from the girls section I'll wear something that I'm comfortable in if other people don't like it I I don't really care yeah and I think this is again something that bridging this gender divide this gender binary actually gives us isn't it is well actually you know why are we following these particular rules as to what you wear if you're a man and what you wear if you're a woman except I think there's a lot of pressure on transgender people to dress sort of traditionally as a masculine person or traditionally as a feminine person yeah you know my mum and dad had two girls and we still had boy toys and girl toys because to us they were just toys yeah I was going to say we, we haven't talked about this but when you came out you were living in quite a small area where everybody knows each other weren't you mm-hmm. so tell me a bit about that what was it like coming out to in an area where sort of everybody knew you in your previous name it was nice in the sense that you could probably only tell a handful of people and then everybody would know <laughs> um, <laughs> which is why um, you're so keen to tell your parents so quickly yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I didn't really have to tell many people because I knew it would just yeah then you pick your fingers but a lot of people continued to get it wrong mm-hmm. but deliberately got it wrong right. you know i i don't mind people getting people that have known me forever um accidentally getting it wrong i that doesn't bother me one bit but mm. when somebody who didn't know me now apparently knows me and doesn't call me tommy even really? now it's just doesn't really make sense because if you're consciously trying to call me something or someone that I'm not you might as well just call me my name so I've not really had much um hate or negativity around being trans except from a group of people from where I'm from and there were five or six of them and it was message after message after message after message um saying that they were going to come and assault me, um, sexually assault me, find out where I live. Um, oh, goodness. 
came into my house in the middle of the night and it's not hard to find out where people are from. And there was this one guy. Yeah, he's he's just... Without this sounding awful, they weren't even the type of people that looked like they would be bullies. And he just messaged me and said, oh, you're not going to ring the police on me now, are you, darling? Hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, why haven't I already done it? Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing that idea to me. <laughs> um, so that's what I did. I don't know if it was coincidence or what, but I've not heard anything since. Anything since. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. how how was it, you know, when you did report it to the police, were you given like a fair hearing, do you think? I did it online um, and then I was at my friend's house and my mum and dad rang me and they said, I think you need to come home, the police are here and they want to talk to you. Wow. And they won't tell me what it's about. But they were really nice. They just said, you know, um, if anything like this does happen again, just let us know. Only one of the five or six people were known to them. But it stopped um, after that. Yeah. 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 How did it sort of affect you at the time, do you think, having to be exposed to those sorts of hate messages? It was more when people, like when that group of people said things about my family. Yeah. You know, I I didn't really care too much about me because I thought it, it's just a message online. If mm-hmm. they want to say something, they'll, they'll say it to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whenever I walked past them in the street afterwards, they never said anything. Mm-hmm. And I was on my own. But I knew that I would get some people that, disagree with it and don't like it and have Mm. views and opinions that to me are irrelevant Mm. but I don't like to let them get to me Mm -hmm. I kind of just put a wall up and just you can say whatever but you're talking to the wall at the moment you're not talking to me yeah Yeah. when you finish the wall goes away and yeah and for a minute or two I might be sad um and then afterwards I'm like oh yeah they said xyz yeah do you get much tension sort of I know you've moved cities now, but, you know, do you find you still get attention or was it just sort of living at home that it happened? It was just living at home. I mean, Mm. here, nobody knows me. Again, is a really nice, refreshing feeling, but I feel like I'm lying to everyone. Not that I need to walk around with a, a banner. Yeah. But it's a feeling that is strange to describe because you're sort of being honest in that mm. you are being you yeah you're being tommy and this is who you are but the fact is, is people don't know that at another point in your life you weren't tommy yeah even with my dbs that came back the other day it's my first one that only has the name tommy on it it's a lovely feeling mm. but strange and that's the yeah. only word I can use to describe it I think yeah does it feel a bit sort of like almost like an imposter syndrome do you think is it that sort of yeah. thing yeah yeah it, it's almost sort of like being able to pass mm-hmm. is held up as you know like a really good thing and yet also by the sounds of it, it also leaves you with with some sort of complicated feelings as well yeah you don't really hear about people or people don't really share their stories when they move away from home. Mm-hmm. This is one of the things about being almost like on the cutting edge of the change that we're seeing, I think, isn't it? It's that we haven't got that body of literature to support you in your, your experience yeah. of life. So 
That's why it feels quite lonely in a sense. It feel I would say more isolated. Yeah. Because I don't know that many trans people anyway. Mm. At least back home, my friends knew and they knew that if I didn't want to go swimming or I didn't want to do something like that, it was yeah. because of everything underneath. Yeah. Because I think with the benefit of people who are listening, it might be worth saying why swimming might be a bit problematic for you. Pre-surgery, I would have just wore a binder and then a, a T-shirt. And yeah. because I am a bigger guy, people didn't really take much notice of it. Yeah. Because I am bigger, everything was kind of smoother. Mm-hmm. It all went into one and it just yeah. looked more like moves, really. Yeah. Um, and then... Now that I've had surgery um, and I've got these two scars, mm. it's very flat. I think I it was nine or ten months, nine months post-op, so I'm still it's still quite fresh. And to me, everybody's looking at me, but in yeah. reality, they're probably not. A few people may look, but the majority probably wouldn't yeah. notice because I am quite hairy. Yeah. It's not really a sort of poolside conversation that you want to have, is it? It's sort of like an aspect of of life that perhaps those of us who are cisgendered, we we don't think about, you know, do people need to know our backgrounds? Do I need to explain myself? Can I say yes to social events? It's it's not something that we would ever be concerned about, would it? And yet you're Um, sort of having to think about it and think, well, what would I do? And yeah. Yeah. And with you saying that, it's like, if we go out somewhere, I need to know where the toilet is. Yeah. I need to know if there's a disabled toilet, if you need a key for the disabled toilet. If there's only one, say one cubicle in the men's toilets, chances are that is going to be an awful cubicle. Mm-hmm. And I am I absolutely imagine. not going there. <laughs> do Do the other guys in the... In the toilets, know that I'm trans with how it sounds when I go to the toilet, you know, with yeah. how I wee. Yeah. Because in my head, they would know. If I could go in a disabled toilet every time, I absolutely would. And I bought a disabled key from Amazon, which I will use if, generally, if we're in a really busy place um, or there's lots of kids around, like youth age kids. Yeah. they Well, they definitely wouldn't look at me now and think, mm. oh, I think he's trans, but it's, it's that internal fear. And presumably the thought of using the ladies' loose is just anathema, I should think, because you probably don't feel safe there either. <laughs> if I had to choose, if I'm completely honest, if I had to choose, I'd much rather go into the women's toilets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, if I was to, I think people would be very concerned and... Though they wouldn't like it because they would see me as a guy using the women's toilets. Yeah. Uh, I had somebody say to me uh, not so long ago, you know, but I wouldn't feel comfortable with a trans woman going into the toilets. And I said, well, would you be comfortable with me using the toilets? And Mm -hmm. this person didn't know anything about me. And she said, well, absolutely not. You're you're a guy. Mm. I said, but would you be happy with me? coming into the toilets, I said, because if you don't want trans women to go into the toilets and you think it should all be down to biology, then I'm going to be going to the women's toilets. Yeah, yeah. And she just couldn't understand that, oh, right, okay, well, I need to really think about this. Do I want men that look like men that are trans 
coming in, you know, do I want trans men who look like men? Like men coming into yeah. the toilets, or do I yeah. want trans women that look like women coming into the toilets? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd feel safer in a room of trans women. Yeah. Going, going to the toilet in the same space as them yeah. than I would a bunch of men. In reality, the trans women are probably a million times more scared than than anybody else. Mm. It's a topic that lots of people like to talk about because apparently genitals are very, you know, important and they're not. Yeah. Which brings me on nicely to the next thing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, are you okay to tell us about your, your top surgery? Because that's sort of like another aspect of the body. That... Yeah. In the UK, when I was looking, um, the prices privately, because again, I haven't been seen by the NHS, were ranging from eight to 11,000. I didn't have that sort of money. For me, it was either we get top sur- I get top surgery and we buy a house or I get top surgery done in the UK and we don't buy a house. And obviously went for the option where we could have both. Yeah. Um, and I went to Turkey mm-hmm. and as daunting as it sounds, and it sound it it doesn't seem real until you get there. Um, it was the best thing I have ever done. Wow. People before were saying, "Oh, you know, you don't want to be going to Turkey. It's it's dangerous out there. What if it goes wrong? Well, it can go wrong. It can go wrong in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Turkey, they're probably not going to want to get it wrong because they don't want to get a bad reputation. And obviously, I'd done my research and knew how I wanted my chest to look. But the in terms of the care from the Turkish nurses, the surgeon, everybody, I genuinely would say it was better than I probably would have received in the UK. They looked after me, they looked after my partner, you know, it It's a pretty positive um, experience by the sounds of things. Yeah. yeah. It was a yeah. third of the price. It is strange because it you don't feel like it's real. You know, you go to Turkey with all this cash You've got to take cash. You, you you can pay by card, but you have to pay X amount on top. But yeah, well, it's quite it's quite scary carrying that that amount of money left around, isn't it? And you think this is actually going to absolutely. pay for something that's really important. <laughs> that's to be terrifying. <laughs> sort and, of like having to have it bolted onto your arm or something, like you see in the films. I should think. <laughs> and walking into the bank, you know, before going and saying, "Oh, hi, can I just withdraw three thousand five hundred pounds, please?" Yeah. The lady did look at me weirdly and I did say to her, I'm going for surgery abroad. And she went, oh, fine. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it was the best thing I have ever done and I couldn't fault it. You you turn up to the hospital and then within about half an hour, 45 minutes, you're being called to lie on the bed for them to sedate you and off you go. You go in, you sign your paperwork, you get taken to your room. And the surgeon comes in and he says, take your top off. So I'm like, oh, gosh, okay. So I take my top off and I'm stood. And the, the windows in the room were the biggest windows you've seen in your life. <laughs> they, the blinds weren't shut. Yeah. <laughs> they were all open. I thought, well, they're going anyway, so yeah. Yeah. whatever. And then he just says, do you want nipples or no nipples? I said, well, are they going to take? You know, are they yeah. going to stay on? Because there is that risk that they don't. Mm-hmm. Um. And he said they'll stay on, and then he said, uh, "You know, I'll, I'll see you in, I'll see you in in the theatre." 
Mm. I said, oh, okay. Didn't think much more of it. He left. About 10 minutes later, heard the loudest knock on the door. Tommy, Tommy! Thinking, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Yeah. Come on, come on, glasses off. Okay. <laughs> I'll say goodbye. <laughs> oh, <goodness. laughs> yeah. And then they put whatever it was through the cannula. Um, and I can't even remember coming out of the lift. And then coming back round, I was so cold. I literally thought I was freezing to death. Yeah. <laughs> so they shoved this massive heater under you. And I just remember being so so happy but so exhausted. Mm-hmm. Opening the bathroom door to go to the loo. And there they were. My boobs on the floor. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. Talk about an out-of-body experience. <laughs> it was, so there were two bags. <laughs> Um, and it, it labelled them left and right, how much they weighed. Um, they weighed wow. just over three kilograms. When the surgeon came in, it was either, I think it was the morning after. I said, oh, did everything go well? He said, yes, Tommy. He said, uh, usually we put, we put uh, what did he call it, breast in um, in a dog, dog poo bag. I said, oh, right, okay. He said, for you... We had to get bin liners. <laughs> and me and Lindsay were absolutely peeing our pants. Oh, my yeah. God. I could yeah. not stop laughing. Yeah. <laughs> and it really hurt when I laughed. But it, yeah. it was yeah. yeah, bin liners. I said, oh, right, okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> they legally have to um, show you what they've taken from you. And you have to leave it there. Mm-hmm. So once it's been there, you can ask them to remove it, but nobody else can ask them to remove it. Mm-hmm. It's got to be the person it was yeah. removed from. They were interesting to look at. Yeah. Um, but sorry, did you have any sort of ceremony to say goodbye to them or anything like that? Or <laughs> No, we took lots of pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, what I'm really interested in is, yeah, I think you said having the top surgery was the best thing you've ever done. So do you think out of the two that sort of like in a sense top surgery was more affirming of your of your gender identity than than having tea? No. I would definitely choose hormones over surgery for me purely yeah. because my voice as a girl was very, very high pitched and it was it was like a really irritatingly annoying typical girly girly voice um so if i had to have chosen it would have been hormones um and when i even went for my first appointment with hormones um he said oh you know what are your views on top surgery and i said oh you know i i would like it at some point but i'm not ready quite yet Mm. Um, and he said okay so do you want a referral now he said because i don't think you're quite ready so then when I was ready, I had a consultation, which I didn't even need in the end. Yeah. But Did that help you to sort of like um, know even more that you were definitely okay to go for it and that you'd go for it privately? Because we we knew we were going to be moving. Um, I wanted to feel complete or whatever you want to call it before moving. Mm-hmm. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to pay NHS prices. Uh, not NHS, so sorry, private, private UK. prices. Yeah. 
So I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll have a look around. And this place in Turkey kept coming up and kept coming up and kept coming up. And I just thought, is this a sign? Mm-hmm. You know, shall I just go there? And then I was, I originally booked in for the June and then cancelled it because I got too scared. Yeah. And I just thought, I'm not ready yet. And then I rescheduled it for the end of August. And I'm glad I waited. How did it help you to wait? Financially, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> more than yeah. more than time to save more, yeah. And I needed to make sure I'd be, been working where I had been for X, I can't remember how long it was. I think it was per, I think it was three years because I needed to make sure that I would get full pay. Mm-hmm full sick pay so that yeah. I could afford yeah you know to live when I get home because you still got rent to pay bills to pay yeah thing um how long were you off work for two and a half months I think mm-hmm. um and then I had a phased return I mean I was still getting paid sick pay because otherwise I wouldn't have been paid properly but I started to go in for a couple of hours um on like a Monday Wednesday Friday yeah my job role had to change. Like I had to do a lot of admin stuff, which I wasn't really keen on. But I wasn't. I still wasn't able to bend properly. And yeah, um, it's work understanding. Yeah, they were. They were brilliant. My manager and deputy manager. They, they're quite not. They're not young. Well, they are young. Um, and I told them everything that I was doing. You know, and I was advised to wait a little bit longer so that I had more sick time like sick pay and yeah yeah, I couldn't fault them and even when I was over there they messaged me just to make sure everything was okay oh that's Uh, nice yeah yeah so they were they were brilliant and they understood that even though I was off sick if they saw on social media I was doing something it didn't mean that I could work Mm mm-hmm because they knew that I couldn't lift things and do things. And I popped in once I came home from Turkey and they were like, oh, my gosh, you're not coming back yet, are you? <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, they were absolutely fantastic. Good. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're just sort of reaching the end of our time together. What would you like people to know, do you think, you know, in closing? What would be your sort of message you'd like to, to leave people with? Um, it would probably be that it's okay if you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay if you don't get it right every time. You know, it's okay if you make mistakes, but respect people and don't deliberately get things wrong. Yeah. I mean, from, from just listening to your story, you know, you did have people who deliberately mm-hmm. tried to get it wrong. Yeah. But then you're also sort of quite forgiving towards people who have been good intentions, but but just yeah. don't forget, yeah. Um, my friends who are you know either non-binary or trans themselves, I still get it wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't do it deliberately, but I would never say you know I get it right every single time because I don't. Even with other people, you know. I often say if I'm speaking about Lindsay, I say he, or you know, and she's just this woman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know or even as a kid instead of shouting mum I'd shout dad or yeah we all do these things and that's yeah. absolutely fine but it's making sure that you go around it the right way and that you know if you if you do make a mistake 
just say, oh, sorry, or, mm. oh, uh, I mean he, or she, yeah. Or, yeah. or them, or, you know, yeah. whatever pronoun is yeah. correct yeah. to that person. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know somebody's pronouns, just ask them. When I first asked somebody, you know, what their pronouns were, I did feel very awkward, even as a trans person. And do you introduce yourselves and say, you know, I'm Tommy, I've got pronouns he, him, or...? On the bottom of emails, I generally do. Yeah. Except for with my new work. I haven't mm-hmm. with them mm-hmm. yet. And I did that for my previous place that I worked in. in yeah. Like, Why have you got those? People know you're a guy. Yeah. I said, well, People on the phone still think I'm a woman. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I still get called a lady on the phone or, you know, uh, are you ringing on behalf of Tommy? So that's why I do it on emails. It just makes it clear and, and helps people to know where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I sort of find the thought of asking people their pronouns, will people be insulted or whatever? Mm. But it's just really helpful for transgender people that we do, isn't it? I mean, that's the point yeah. of doing it. You know, if you're if you're unsure and you maybe don't feel confident enough to ask, use gender neutral pronouns mm-hmm. or their name, because that way you you can't get that wrong. Yeah, yeah. And I think it it depends on your relationship with that person. Mm-hmm. You know, if if one of my groups of friends was to call us all girls, I I couldn't care less. Mm. Uh, on the end at the end of the phone they'll all say oh bye girls <laughs> and that doesn't bother me I mean yeah the one of them is trans himself <laughs> um yeah. you know it, it's yeah. not done maliciously or nastily that's just the relationship that we all have with each other yeah yeah so I have to draw the interview to a close but just before we do would you like to tell people where we can find you on your sort of social media and yes so my Instagram is tomru13, so T-O-M-R-O-O-1-3. And that's where you'll find me. Everything I post is quite real. It's not necessarily trans-related, but it's kind of an insight into my life, my yeah. chaotic life. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming and sharing something of of what's been going on for you and your journey. It's been really well, thank you for having me. The impression I gained of Tommy is this is someone who's self-assured, who doesn't have a point to prove, and who is happily themselves. His understanding of people who may find it difficult to accept change, while also protecting himself against those who act maliciously. I suspect his laid-back attitude has a lot to do with knowing how lovable he is, something that parents, family and friends can do a lot to reinforce. Although Tommy is careful, like many trans men and non-binary people, to acknowledge the flack that many of their transgender sisters receive, I think it's important to state that those assigned female at birth also receive their third share of prejudice. It's usually couched in terms such as they're unable to accept their bodies or they're victims of social contagion. The implication that those assigned female at birth are too weak, too readily influenced by others, to know their own minds. I think in Tommy, we hear someone who is grounded and honest in their assessment of themselves. And next time, we'll hear from Marley, a non-binary person. They found that acknowledging they were transgender 
resolve the issue of being labelled and socialised as a girl. <laughs>